So when I was growing up, uh, my two older brothers and I, we shared the same bedroom. Uh, it was up in the attic of our house. Um, you know, my father, at some, at some point along the way, kind of finished, finished the attic to make it kind of livable. Um, but it was the attic, so it was kind of uh, out of the way. Like you had, a, uh, yeah, you had to go up three steps, and then you made a right, and you go up like six or seven more steps to ultimately get up to our room. So because of that, um, my mother didn't see the room very often. Um, and because of that, it was, it was filthy. It was just messy beyond description. Um, crazy. It was just like you couldn't, you couldn't even see the floor. It was just stuff, clothes, books, boots, whatever. Like everything we had just sort of kind of got dumped on the floor. Um, it was bad. I was like, you know, at one point, like I was 11, my brother Danny was 15, Kevin was 17, we're all in this one room. Anyway, uh, one day my mother did go up and uh, she was kind of horrified at the condition of the room. Like, you know, rooms on the same floor as the other rooms, the door is usually open, you walk by and you can tell that if a room is a disaster. Well, in this case, because it was kind of away, Whatever, it wasn't, it was hard to be missed. It was easy to be missed. So uh, she went up and she kind of, she laid down the law. She just said, get this place, this is crazy. Clean it up. So, I mean, I, it was a long time ago. I don't literally, literally remember the conversation or what was said, but it was basically, get your act together. And I think we were all kind of like, yeah, okay. Like sort of under our breath, we were like, yeah, whatever, mom. Like we'll clean it, but like we weren't really taking it that seriously. Cleaned it up a bit, I guess, right away, but then things kind of drifted back to the, the pigsty that it really was. A couple of weeks passed, and uh, I'm coming home from school one day, and uh, my school was uh, two blocks from where I lived, so I, I walked. Coming down, approaching the house with like maybe three buddies of mine. I think I was in fifth grade, and I can, I'm looking at the house as I'm getting closer to it, there were clothes on the lawn. And um, in the... <laughs> got a couple of sympathetic mothers here in the crowd. Actually, my mother is here. She's going to murder me after, after this mass. Sorry, Mom. But anyway, on the lawn, the bushes, on the roof, our clothes were just there. And uh, I was mortified. My friends were like, Dying. They thought this was the funniest thing. I'm thinking, she's completely lost her mind. Like, she's gone, she's gone crazy. And uh, I'm picking up clothes. Two sweaters come out the window, land, like, right at my feet. So I was like, oh, man, like, this crazy woman is still on the loose. Like, she's, she's up there doing this. Um, you know, anyway, she just, she had had it. She had just had it with us. And I, I guess she was kind of saying, or trying to make the point like, hey, if you're gonna live like slobs, let's let the whole world know. Um, it's no big deal, if it's, if it's no big deal. And I remember, um, <laughs> I remember, I couldn't understand her reaction. I just, it just seemed so over the top. Like, okay, I get it, the room was a mess. And we gotta clean it up, but like, 
Ma, throwing clothes out the window and on the front lawn, no less. She shouldn't even do it in the backyard of the house so people could see it. I was 11. Uh, I think about it now, like 47 years later. And I suspect it was probably less about a messy room and more about not being listened to and not being you know, respected in a sense. So she let us have it. It's like sometimes, sometimes you just have to like blow things up, don't you? Like to maybe get somebody's attention, to let people know that this is a big deal. You're acting like it's not, but it is. So if you're gonna choose not to listen and not to see, then we're gonna throw clothes out the window. So you will see it and you will get it. I mean, it's a little bit, I think, like this gospel, this whole reaction over the top, seemingly over the, rea- over the top reaction. Look at this king in this parable Jesus tells. This guy's crazy. His kid is getting married. He's throwing a, a wedding party. Okay, that makes sense. So he sends out a bunch of invitations and people decline. And they had good reasons. Some of them said they were working in the field, they were doing family stuff. Other people were terrible. They killed the messenger, the one with the invitations. So the king is enraged. I get it, I get him being enraged about the, the violence, but how about the people who just kind of couldn't come? And then his re- response says that he, he burned the city. So people aren't going to your party, so we're gonna torch the city? And then, toward the end, you got this poor fool, this guy who does go, he does accept the invitation, the king calls him over and he goes, hey, what are you wearing? What's with this getup? He wasn't wearing, I guess, the proper wedding look, clothes, so he throws the guy out. Not only does he throw him out, it says, you know, like being hogtied. It says they bound up his hands and his feet and they threw him out. This guy was crazy. Like it's only a party. Lighten up. I suspect with the king, kind of like with my mother, this was more than about blowing off the wedding. It was more than about poor wardrobe choices for a wedding reception. Maybe this is what the parable's saying, maybe. Kind of a strange parable. And we know he was talking to the religious leaders. It's like last week's gospel. In fact, it says it at the beginning. This was directed to the religious leaders of his day. And he's kind of blowing that all up. He's saying to them, you better get your act together and you better start being authentic or you're out. That's what he was saying to them. And hey, maybe he's saying the same thing to us today. Or maybe, maybe some more. Maybe he's saying something like this. Maybe this parable is for the times when we take something that's a big deal and we blow it off.
for the times when we diminish the big deal. We dismiss something that's important. We act like it's not, we pretend it's not, but it is. We sweep something away. It's not a big deal. You just need to calm down. Maybe this parable is saying, sometimes, sometimes we shouldn't calm down or lighten up. Doesn't mean we should walk around like a crazy, the crazy king all the time. But maybe sometimes we should. When the big deal is being ignored. I used to, um, years ago, I was, when I was working on the colleges, I was over at the Merchant Marine Academy in Kings Point. And I was there for about, you know, part-time for about three years maybe. They had a, usually they have a, a, an active duty Navy chaplain, but they didn't have one. So I helped out. And I got to know this kid. He was a uh, sophomore. And uh, I'd, I'd go over on Sundays, and then I'd go over one other night for mass during the week. And that's where I kind of got to know this kid. He'd hang out afterwards and... He had a, uh, he was from the Midwest, and he had a, uh, an alcoholic father, a very alcoholic father. And because of that, a pretty sort of banged up, dysfunctional family. This guy's drinking really did a number on all of them, different ways, but they were all affected. This kid was uh, the youngest of a pretty big family, and he was the one who, who really battled with the father more than the others. His mother uh, kind of enabled everything. She, uh, she covered for the, her husband. She made excuses. She knew he was a drunk, but she just couldn't, she wouldn't confront him. And you'd never know, according to him, the kid, like people on the block, people in the community, they thought this was like the perfect family. They were masters of disguise. Outside, from the outside, they looked like they had it so together. You walked inside and it was like the Adams family. I mean, it was, it was crazy town because of all the, the damage that this father and husband did. Um, and it was getting worse. And he was like becoming less and less tolerant of it, the son. So he decided his sophomore year, he wasn't gonna go home for Thanksgiving. He was gonna go to a classmate's house for the holiday, because he had had it. He knew there'd be a lot of drinking. He knew his father would be absolutely drunk by the end of the night. He had an older brother that was now beginning to become a problem drinker. He just knew there'd be tension and probably fights. So he told his mother, I'm not gonna come home. He told her why, she knew why. But his not showing up blew everything up. They couldn't believe that he wasn't coming home. She couldn't believe that he was, how dare he not come home? How could he do this? He was ruining Thanksgiving. He became the villain. And I remember, this was a couple of weeks before, and. You know, it was like this ongoing drama. So every week he would, for a couple of weeks, he would tell me like the latest 
They were telling him he was exaggerating, the drinking wasn't so bad. They knew it was crazy, the drinking. It wasn't such a big deal, it was a huge deal. It was wrecking the holidays. The, families, the family hated holidays because it always exploded in some way. So he was gonna boycott it. And he did. And for another year or so, he continued to just beat this drum. And it was more like by just boycotting stuff. I'm just not gonna be there if this is gonna continue. This is a big deal. And you're all looking the other way. And he said it started to get a little better in this sense. He started to awaken and challenge some of his siblings. And eventually his mother. I don't know what ended up happening. I ended up, uh, his senior year, I left and I lost touch with him. I mean, it was going, I think, in a, in a, in a, a good direction. Whether, the, whether it was ever really resolved, I don't know. But ruining Thanksgiving, I think, might have saved the family. Maybe that's what this parable's talking about. Stop pretending that something's not a big deal when it is. Did you hear about the, uh, out in Sayville, out in Suffolk, the uh, Sayville High School, the soccer team, the varsity soccer team, the superintendent, just canceled the rest of the season, the remaining games, because they found out that uh, pretty serious hazing was going on with the, uh, the seniors in rel relative to the other younger, I guess, freshmen, JV, and maybe even other members of the varsity team, like apparently pretty bad stuff. And they investigated it and they're pretty, like they know it's accurate and it happened. And I guess there were warnings, I guess there had been some talk about it prior. So the superintendent just pulled the plug. He blew it all up. Man, I wonder what the reaction of some parents will be. Parents who, uh, who've effectively turned soccer into their religion. It's become the most important thing in the life of their family. It's become distorted. And I'm not, certainly not all of them, but I suspect some of them because it's kind of epidemic. Whoever the superintendent is, man, I, I kind of respect him. People are probably looking at him like he's crazy, like he's throwing clothes out the window. He's not crazy. Neither were you, Mom. Although the room is still a disaster. My room now. So, is there some no big deal thing, some no big deal issue at home or at work or within ourselves, some in some part of our lives, something's going on that's not good, it's not okay, and we're kind of just blowing it off. 
like the invitations to the king's wedding. Something that we're not facing. Maybe this gospel is saying, face it before the king burns the city.